Welcome to the MHI Cast, the show where we talk to the industry's best minds to uncover their supply chain stories. We explore real-world case studies and get unique perspectives on key trends and emerging technologies from every corner of the material handling, logistics, and supply chain space. As we're in the process of building resiliency into our operations, we all need to circle in and zero in on the trends that could make or break our future supply chain success. We need to embrace trends that present opportunities such as sustainability, but we also need to be cognizant of challenges posed by last mile deliveries and uh, as well as protect ourselves from malicious attacks through cybersecurity. These are the three trends that we need to look out for in 2023. And so joining us today for these three topics are four gentlemen, Brian Ray, CEO of Gorbel Inc. We have Jim Barnes. He's the CEO of Invista. Invista is a leading global software consulting and automation services provider. We also have Dr. Randy Bradley, Associate Professor of Information Systems and Supply Chain Management in the Haslam College of Business at University of Tennessee. And last but not least, Adrian Kumar, who is the Global Head of Operations, Science and Analytics at DHL Supply Chain. Gentlemen, thank you all for being with us today. Let's talk about the first leading trend to look out for, and that is cybersecurity. Brian, why don't we start with you? How do you see cybersecurity impacting supply chain operations? So cybersecurity is, is one of those threats that's come on so quickly. And there are so many nodes of opportunity for, call it the bad eggs out there, to, to, to try and find their way in. We have data, we have commerce, we have real goods that need to physically move. You know, all of the digitization that's happening, which is adding productivity, also is creating more opportunity for you know, the quantity of attacks that could happen. So, um, yeah, digitization is great. Information is great. Yet, you know, it's not this whole pool where the bad guys are trying to come after. So I think that's, it's more relevant than a lot of industries, you know, here in the supply chain world. And what do you see as the biggest uh, challenge regarding cybersecurity? One of the biggest cybersecurity challenges is educating our own workforce. The most obvious way in is through, you know, tricking an employee that, you know, some actor on the outside gets somebody to do something that uh, you know is is going to harm the business or you know and benefit that thief. So you know, in our experience, we've just been trying to continuously educate, and we test our employees through you, know, you, you put some luring opportunities, whether it's an email or some other form, to see if they click on something or not, and follow up with education. So it's this new endless required. And the tactics are always changing. Opportunity that you know, that we, you know, and threat that we we just need to address on a consistent basis. Jim, over to you. Data has become you know so important to businesses, and and I've heard people referring to it as gold. Uh, what are you seeing when it comes to securing data from digital threats? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, cybersecurity, data security is a massive issue today. You can read the Wall Street Journal or New York Times regarding somebody having a data breach. Um, there's always going to be threats, right? And it's never going to stop. The question is, how are you staying ahead of overall technology perspective? How are you staying ahead of what uh, hackers, right, and what those, I'm going to call them bad actors, can do? A lot of that, quite frankly, is just education. And so there are a number of applications and solution providers that are out there that can actually help from a data security perspective. But having a good CISO, right, on staff, having a good uh, data security person on staff, 
uh, I think today are just common stakes, right? Uh, you're starting to see today with public health companies, I'm privileged to sit on the board of directors for a company. When you're starting to deal with payments, you're starting to deal with personal information and personal data. There's a number of privacy acts that are out there. You really have to have a core competency and the talent to deal with data uh, and the privacy of that data. You know, secure data combined with technology and analytics can also be used in optimizing last mile deliveries, which is the last leg of the supply chain journey to the end customer. Adrian, over to you. Could we ask you to speak about some of the last mile challenges? Yeah, there's a lot of challenges with transportation in terms of meeting service levels and Customers are, are very demanding when they're shipping different loads and they have certain delivery windows that need to be met. And there's also availability. Are you going to find capacity on certain lanes? In terms of last mile deliveries, if you're making last mile deliveries, what that cost service trade-off. I mean, you can get your goods to a customer next day. It will just cost you a lot. Traditionally, you've been able to get goods to customers at a more economical price point, but just slow things down a little bit, run it through more consolidation centers, and maybe have the post office perform that last mile delivery. But if you're trying to advertise two-day service levels and you just have one national distribution center, that's gonna be a major challenge, right? So it's setting up your network in such a way that you're kind of set up for success and balancing that additional inventory cost with the cost trade-offs of transportation, those are the kind of the standard kind of network design dynamics that are always on that, that cost trade-off curve for supply chain. Yeah, it's a good point. And if I'm not mistaken, Randy, even the acceleration of urbanization can create additional challenges too. It does create some challenges for not only consumers, but mostly for third-party logistics providers. Because imagine what we're seeing in terms of residential high-rises going up in areas where we were not intending for them to be. What used to be business zones are now residential zones. And so as a result of that, where you used to be able to get your large asset or your large fleet down those thoroughfares, they are no longer thoroughfares. They're pedestrian walkways now. So where we used to focus on last mile, now it's the last 50, last 25, and sometimes even the last 10 feet that have been complicated as a result of increases in urbanization. But I'm sure it creates opportunity. It creates an opportunity for us as well, because if we look at what we're seeing with some third-party logistics providers, what we're seeing is they still have their large vessels that are going to try to deliver to those areas, but they're just going to stay on the outskirts. And then they're either deploying drones or they're deploying autonomous mobile robots to take that last 50, last 25 feet, and in some cases, the last half mile if necessary. And it also allows you to better engage the customer because now the customer is going to meet that particular asset to retrieve his or her products. Now, the other aspect of this also that we're seeing is what we're going to be thinking about is now your distribution node in that last mile context. It may no longer be one person carrying the entire last mile. It, it may not be a person at all. Essentially, what we could have is we could have a human to bot or a human to some form of robotics, or we could have some form of robotics handed off to a smaller form of robotics. We could have someone on an e-bike who's handing off to a bot who's actually going to then hand off to the consumer or the recipient of that said good or product. So when we look at the advancements in urbanization, it's easy for us to go to the negative aspects of the problems or the challenges that it creates. But what I prefer to focus on are the opportunities. Can you give an example, Randy? 
I'll give you one example. I was working with a, a middle school team in a robotics competition, and when they were trying to come up with a problem that would be practical to solve, I said, we talk about the gig economy. We talk about the gig economy even when it comes to last mile delivery. I said, but everyone is not available to participate in the gig economy. What about our handy, capable personnel? What about those individuals who have time, who have the ability to some degree and have the wherewithal, but what if we could augment them? What if we could give them a vehicle that they could drive up to a certain point and then we couple them with a robotic assistance of some kind who could then take that particular product and do that last 50, 125 feet and then return back to its bay within that asset. And now you've got a workforce that's built in that we just haven't been tapping into because we never thought about innovating. That's a project that they actually took and begin to build robotic designs around that. These are eighth graders, sixth graders, and seventh graders already thinking about how to solve the problems of tomorrow with the workforce of today. You know, that actually brings us to our next trend, which is sustainability. And I know that sustainability is both a challenge and an opportunity that has been getting a lot of attention, I think, for a few years now. And it's forcing a lot of us to look into our processes into a new way. So, Randy, could you you know, speak about the issue that we face with cold chain and its impact on sustainability. If you think about it, some could argue that it could have a more detrimental impact because if I'm moving something that's just in a standard container, I'm not necessarily having to power that container. But when I do have things that are refrigerated in these reefers, I have to find a way to power those. Right, They have to be connected to some power source. So whether that's going to be solar, whether that's going to be wind, whether it's going to be hydro, there are aspects to cold chain that really could create greater strain and drain. So what that means is as organizations consider their ESG initiatives, uh, they have to really think about their operations. But there's, a, there's another part to ESG within this vein that we don't think about, which is an organization might say, I'm lowering or reducing my carbon footprint. But oftentimes what we're doing is we're passing that carbon footprint on to someone else. So when we look at it in terms of the net, the net in terms of our carbon impact is not different. All we did was shift it. We shifted it to one entity, one agent, one other party along the supply chain. And we did that so that our measures and our metrics look better. But I think what we're going to have to move to if ESG is truly something that we're serious about, we're going to have to start to look at the ESG impact of the network, not the ESG impact at an individual or isolated node level. Now, we should be able to drill down and see if there's one node contributing more to this than others. But the reality is, it's about the way we design our entire supply network. Well, it seems a massive part of that is power usage, you know, storage for crops, vegetables, medicines, and other products that require maintaining a specific temperature to, you know, to maintain longevity. But as you said, there must be an opportunity. Uh, so this, this next question I'll toss over to you, Gerard. How do you think we can help sustainability initiatives? It really comes down to that, that simple notion that maybe your parents are reminding you of. Close that freezer door if you're not in the freezer, right? Uh, temperature control is costly. Uh, so you, you need to make sure that you're using you know, your air conditioned or your freezer environments or your chilled environments effectively. Uh, so there's a cost to all that. You don't want to over condition if you don't have to over condition because it, again, it's all about costs and what you're kind of bringing to market. You know, everyone's putting more insulation in their attics. 
more insulation in their buildings. And that's where really the, the cost management and control needs to be put into place. When we're looking at cold storage for our delivery in the loading dock industry, in the loading dock industry, we look at how do we bring a trailer that's refrigerated or chilled and maintaining that environment and connecting it to the actual warehousing facility. You don't want to actually open up the, the facility doors early on and lose out on that conditioned air. You actually want to bring that trailer to the actual loading dock, seal it to the loading dock, and then open the door. It's almost like opening up the NASA chambers there when you're in space. You don't want to lose out on that oxygen in space. And really our loading docks are very similar to that kind of thought pattern that's out there. You want to bring the trailer there, seal the trailer, and then open up the facility doors. Well, when you put it like that, it almost sounds as if it's rocket science, just maybe a bit more attainable for us non-astronauts, as you know. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us and sharing your insights today on these very important topics. And thank you for listening to this installment of MHI Cast, featuring some of the experts and topics we covered in the Powered by MHI docuseries, Jobs of Tomorrow. The series is now live on MHI View. You can find it at videos.mhi.org and coming to a streaming service very soon. If you'd like to be featured as an expert in a future episode of the series, you can contact Chelsea Fairweather. Her email is cfairweather at mhi.org, and you can inquire about sponsorship opportunities. Lastly, be sure to secure your attendance for Promat in Chicago, where you can find these and other experts sharing their supply chain knowledge, plus over a thousand of the leading solution providers. The event happens March 20th to the 23rd, at McCormick Place, again, in Chicago. Visit promatshow.com to learn more and register for free admission. At MHI, we never stop exploring new opportunities to help you take your manufacturing and supply chain operations to the next level of success. Thanks for making us part of your professional development journey.